You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. We're going into our next segment called Straight Talk. And you're welcome to call in and ask me a question. I'm Father Randall Kazel. And our phone number here, 877-795-0122. I'd be happy to have any questions you have. Uh, perhaps you have a question on Lent. Uh, two days from now is Ash Wednesday. I hope you're able to go to Holy Mass on Ash Wednesday to receive the sacramental, the ashes, the tradition that we begin on Ash Wednesday. It is not a holy day of obligation. So if you're not able to get there, of course, your Lent is going to start no matter what. Uh, but if you're able to, that'll be great. Uh, you can also contact us, uh, Real Presence Radio, through the Facebook page. Uh, Real Presence uh, Radio's Facebook page, excellent uh, way to stay in tune with our Catholic radio station. Again, that phone number is 877-795-0122. So as we look forward to Lent, uh, Lent offers some awesome graces. Uh, I encourage you to immerse yourself in this season. Perhaps a few of those uh, that... that um, go into toward Easter, I think Lent is one that offers a, a special grace of discipline for the sake of closeness with Jesus. Uh, the, we think of the culmination of Lent as the high point of the sacred triduum, uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter. And the heart of the, of the sacred triduum is being immersed or being welcomed into the heart of Jesus as he enters into his passion, and that entering into the passion, he really goes into the mystery of our fallen human nature. Now, his human nature, of course, is not fallen, has never been fallen, uh, and needed no redemption, but ours did. So he took to himself our human nature and took upon himself our sins and the the consequences of our sins uh, so that we could be forgiven original sin the guilt of original sin, and then forgiven our personal sins through his mercy and forgiveness. Uh, but he entered into uh, our fallenness, and while himself not having sinned, never sinned, uh, and then by his power after his death, raised his bo- by his power raised his body from the dead, and sharing that victory with us. Uh, it's a beautiful, uh, awesome mystery in the sacred triduum that we uh, celebrate, but we also, our Lord invites us into his heart and to go into his heart to experience his friendship and his love. And we have our first question. So great uh, through Facebook. So keep on contacting us. We have plenty of time here this morning to get to a variety of things. Our first question, why does the church require us to fast and abstain on certain days during Lent? Uh, excellent question. So let's let's first think about that, the practice of of fasting and abstaining, um, the fathers of the church have some uh, great insights into that. And um, I was just reading on one of the fathers of the church, uh, and actually I put it in the bulletin this last weekend, on, on why we fast. And it went back to the idea that Adam, in the original sin, uh, was intemperate, which means that he was tempted to eat, and he ate when he should not have ate. And, you know, that, that brought a certain disorder regarding food and certain things that look good and may even be pleasurable, uh, but that 
in excess, they're, they're not good for us, or if they're not meant to be for us according to God's plan that we ought not to. Uh, so fasting as a discipline, as something where we recognize and deny ourselves by a deliberate conscious choice, and teaches us to uh, follow Jesus and teaches us to uh, place the priorities of God, for, which is always for our good. God's will is always for our good and what he shows us, uh, that we will adhere uh, to that ideal of wanting what God wants. And so our voluntary cooperation in fasting leads us to be united with Christ. And Christ shows us that in his own sacred humanity, how he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And we'll have those readings coming up here uh, early on in Lent. And then secondly, on certain days, we commemorate uh, the beginning of our time of fasting and abstinence on Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is a day of fasting and abstinence, which means that we, we fast, uh, can have, we can take one full meal and then two partial meals that would together not equal one full meal, but would be close. Uh, uh, also, no snacking between meals. And the absence would mean no meat uh, that we would eat on that day. The same rule for fasting and abstinence on Ash Wednesday is also applied to Good Friday. So those two days together, they form a kind of bookend. Uh, and in between, we have many days, 40-some uh, days, in which we will um, practice forms of self-denial, forms of sacrificial acts of love for God and can be positive works of charity, which can be sacrificial for others. So the church uh, requires this as a minimal way. So these are minimum spiritual practices to help our minds and hearts be oriented toward our Lord. Uh, the key here is that we, we're body-soul composites and our, we need to give attention to the sensitivities, the powers of the soul, so that our minds can be lifted to God. And whereas if we give it inordinate attention to the body, and we feed the body or uh, our, we, we want the body to be satisfied or comfortable in an excessive way, uh, that'll be to the detriment of the soul. And the, the powers and the sensitivities of the soul uh, will not grow and develop in relation with God as God would desire and as actually our souls desire and need. Uh, but instead, the body then is satisfied and has a kind of in a way, a dominance. Uh, so when we mortify the body, uh, we continue to reflect the priority uh, that what is most important is the nurturing that we have from God. And our Lord says that basically elsewhere that uh, to his apostles, uh, my food is the will of my Father. And so continue looking to God the Father uh, for uh, his will and, and uh, what he desires. And we're getting another question coming in here. Very good. Thank you for uh, your question. So if you, if you have a question, please send it on in or give a call. Uh, what if I can't fast because of medical reasons? What other ways can I participate in Lent? Uh, good question. Because the, there are uh, uh, various ages or restrictions regarding the rules on fasting. Um, and those are probably when your parish bulletin this last weekend and, and whatnot. But the, the those those uh, um, can be found and looking those up very quickly. Uh, but at the same time, the um, if you're not able to fast due to a medical reason, perhaps uh, there's a health reason or perhaps it's due to your work. Uh, I was giving a talk on fasting and abstinence last week and we had a fellow who was a pilot and, you know, pilots need to have nutrition. So it's not good for them to get tired and weak as they're flying. So by all means, there may be your occupation uh, could say, I need to make sure I have nourishment or the type of nourishment that uh, gives sufficient energy. Uh, but also uh, another exemption would be mothers who are pregnant, uh, mothers who are nursing uh, because they have a dependent. Uh, there are, are other possibilities, such as somebody maybe who suffers from a particular medical malady. One that comes to mind readily is uh, uh, diabetes. 
So that maybe there's, you have to maybe take a snack or you have to uh, take certain kinds or forms of nourishment to uh, satisfy this. And our Lord is reasonable. And so he wants us to understand our personal conditions and what we're capable of. If we're able to keep the usual rules of fasting to do so, uh, but then if, if we're not for some reason, then to provide uh, another way or another avenue of works. So it could be then uh, foregoing uh, maybe a dessert or foregoing some other activity that one could fill in uh, as well. Uh, so the those could include giving up TV. It could include uh, adding something such as works of charity uh, that would fill in for that also. So it, it, there is room for creativity. But what our Lord wants and desires in the midst of this is that it be done with love for him and orientation to him. Uh, there are many people who practice fasting. Then we generally probably call that a form of dieting. Uh, but the... Um, but that's fasting for a different purpose. Uh, the, the main purpose would be for that of the love of the Lord, so that the, the heart and the soul can be oriented toward God, uh, that uh, all things then will be for his love. So that's a great question. And we have another question that just came in. Do I have to give up something like chocolate or dessert for all of Lent? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so the, 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 the short answer to that is, well, no. I mean, you can... You can Certainly give up chocolate. You can give up desserts. Those are good things. Oftentimes, uh, it can be very helpful because um, the, the get to the Easter celebration, this is where you we know things by contrast so often. We know, we know what light is like because we have an experience of darkness or vice versa. We know what, what it's uh, like to feel the warmth of the sun because there's days in which we don't have the warmth of the sun and we think, oh, I want the sun back. Uh, so we, we have these experiences of contrast. And so self-denial regarding desserts or chocolate make for a kind of longing. Uh, so then when Easter comes, that at least in a sensory way of the body, it, it heightens that uh, celebration, which really is spiritual, uh, but our, we're body-soul composites. So our, the, the kind of enjoyment that we can have in the body, while it, it ought to be regulated, moderated, and with a, with a temperance, uh, that enjoyment, our Lord, certainly uh, does not forbid, but there are those times in which we celebrate and enjoy those things. So... Um, it certainly can be that you might give up chocolate, desserts, or things such as food, uh, but also look to add in things of works of charity. Really, uh, if, as long as the intention is oriented toward growing in love with our Lord, uh, if you're, you're, you're fasting or abstaining from certain particular things, let your intention be, Lord, for the love of you, I offer this uh, not taking this, I offer that act to you, uh, but also positive things. Lord, for the love of you, I'm going to give alms. Uh, Lord, for the love of you, I'm going to perform this work of charity for someone who's homebound or someone in need. So those are the things how to consider it. It's really the interior attitude or disposition on what to do. Uh, another great question on Lent. I'm doing a great job with the questions, so keep it up. Another one, I love the Stations of the Cross and the other special Lenten services at my parish, 
but I can't always make it to the church during the week. So what kind types of devotions can I do at home? That's a great question. And indeed, if you're able to go to the stations across the parish or maybe a neighboring parish that's not too far away and it, it works for your schedule, I encourage you to do so. The stations across are very powerful. Uh, and even the stations can be done at any time of year. We, we tend to really focus in parish life on the stations across during Lent. But it's a devotion for any time of the year, really, because anytime we are immerse ourselves and, and really walk with Jesus and his passion and his carrying of the cross, he's consoled by that. And he wills to console us. There's something very um, special, even mystical, about a pattern of following Jesus on the way of the cross and being with him. Because uh, time time is, is crossed over by God. You know, when we are immersed in those mysteries with the help of grace, the Holy Spirit, uh, there's no time. He, he brings us there and we're, he comes to us where we're at in our experience of the cross. Uh, but that is also the same thing. Not only is time uh, crossed and not uh, a barrier regarding being with Jesus and his passion, neither is space. Uh, so if you can't be at the church, you can do the stations across in your own home. Pray with your heart, from your heart, uh, will and desire to console Jesus, and you will be blessed by our Lord. So there, there are the stations of the cross. I encourage also reading the readings. Uh, uh, for, so the Sunday readings for each Sunday of Lent are unique, and the readings are unique during Holy Week, uh, and especially as we get closer to Holy Week and in Holy Week itself, beginning with Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, uh, the readings uh, become very powerful and focused upon our Lord's uh, condemnation, rejection, our Lord's passion, uh, and our Lord carrying the cross, his sufferings and death on the cross, and all those details make very rich reflection. But the readings leading up to Holy Week on Sundays in particular uh, will be very helpful for us spiritually participating in, in the time of Lent. I would also say um, to, to be immersed in the, uh, the life of uh, interiorly, interior mortification so that, uh, that, that you would be less distracted during Lent. I, one of the great graces of Lent is, is discipline, uh, a decision to be closer to our Lord, a discipline to live for Him. And Lent offers special graces for that. So I, I want to encourage those sort of things uh, as well. So uh, there's a lot of things that can be done, but as long as it's, it has an interior decision and a conscientiousness, uh, our Lord will bless it and will bring you close to Him. That's, that's the whole thing. Uh, another question uh, from Phil through Facebook, thanks for uh, sending us a question. Why do the altars have stones and relics of saints built into them? That's, that's a great question, Phil. Uh, that, that goes back to a historic and inspired idea. I would call it inspired. There were, in, in the early church, there was a, around the, the second to the third century, an increasing devotion to St. Peter and St. Paul. So as time went by and there became a kind of time distance from the events of the passion and death and resurrection of our Lord and the events of the life of our Lord, and events became more and more not only written down and testimonies written down, but then scriptures began to be uh, accumulated from eyewitnesses of the life of Christ. Uh, those who knew these things and those who, uh, um, those who were martyred those who had died beforehand began to be venerated. And they, their memories and their testimonies that they gave in writing, such as the letters of St. Peter, the writings of St. Paul, the Gospels, and those figures. And I, I think of one, one Pope, uh, 
Saint Damasus. Uh, he particularly fostered devotion to Saint Peter and the martyrs of Rome. And so what, one of the things they did is they built uh, small chapels at, on the tombs of these saints and relics uh, having something physical and tangible began to be associated with the holy sacrifice of the mass and how the sacrifice of the martyrs would be tied and the reason that these martyrs had power to sacrifice or offer their lives uh, for Christ in martyrdom was the, the death of Jesus, that his sacrifice, blood sacrifice as the high priest, animated and gave power to the martyrs who gave themselves for his name and for his love. So the connection between the saints who offered themselves and gave their lives in a variety of ways, not necessarily as martyrs, but perhaps as what we call a white martyrdom, the sacrifice of their life and their freedom for the sake of the freedom and the love and life that come through the will of God the Father through Jesus Christ. You know, that all of these things become connected uh, and at the heart of it is the Holy Mass. So it became an intuition as well as an inspiration to have a relic of a saint uh, as part of the uh, altar and the offering of the sacrifice before our Lord uh, on the altar. And so that's a great question, Phil. Um, another question has come in. Uh, I always get very anxious before going to confession. What advice could you offer so I don't always dread going to confession? Uh, that's a great question. I, I empathize with that because it's, it's hard. Well, I'll tell you, it's hard for me sometimes. And it's, and it's, and it's, um, not necessarily a bad thing. I, I would just encourage you to perhaps reinterpret, reinterpret or, or, um, uh, that that bit of anxiety uh, that that it is a, uh, a a kind of way that can help you prepare so if you if you accept and know that it 's okay to have that anxiety um, and sometimes to varying degrees one might be able to do that or and maintain interior freedom uh, and a sense of of saying that uh, it's it's an it's a it's sometimes it is anxious filled but to cope with it one of the things that I do is I look to the outcome. I look to after the confession, and I know that I'll be so relieved, and I'm thankful. And then counting on the power of the grace, because it, our, our interior life is a gift from God. Uh, prayer is a gift. Union with God is a gift. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. And so confession is one that helps our souls be more sensitive because we're freed and healed from sin and given powerful graces for our intellect and will to be oriented toward God more and more fully or radically. And then secondly, graces are given to not commit the sins anymore as we're deeply resolved to not offend God in the future. Uh, And third, that we enter into the deep humility of our Lord and God, how humble God is to descend from the highest place in heaven to come and dwell among us and not only live among us, but to be willing to suffer a humiliating passion and death. Uh, That's God. And so when we, when we perhaps kneel or sit or go to the confessional and we're going to humble ourselves to confess before God, we know that our Lord is so empathetic and compassionate with us, so happy, uh, and we can enter into that humility of our Lord and accuse ourselves of our wrongdoing, those things that have offended him and we know have been beneath uh, one's dignity. Uh, So we can, in that way then, we find great consolation to see what our Lord really does through this sacrament and what he wills to do on our behalf for the good of our souls and the good that will come out of it, that fruitfulness. So when I think of these things, I think of going to confession and I feel anxiety. I I remember uh, what 
what is on the other side, uh, what coming out of it means, and what, what the fruit of that, I pray, will be in the days after confession, that renewal that will come. So that, it helps me to cope with it. That's, so that's one thing I encourage you to, to think of on those things. But then secondly, I, I encourage you, our Lord desires us to go to confession. I recommend people to go uh, about once a month. And uh, certainly if one is guilty of a grave sin, to go as soon as you can um, as possible. Uh, but the, the, the other aspect, pray to the Holy Spirit for help. Uh, because they, well, one of the things I heard this definition of courage, courage is, is fear that prays. Uh, so our Lord does not necessarily withdraw the struggle uh, when we ask for his help, uh, but rather he may give us the strength to persevere so that whatever we're struggling against does not, uh, possess the will, so that if we're anxiety, that it does not control the will to such an extent that we do not do what we know uh, will please God and that we truly need for the good of our souls. So you, you might feel some anxiety, uh, but to not let that anxiety control the decision as to whether or not you're going to go to confession. You're going to go through that anxiety, but you're going to pray to the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me the, give me the strength that I need to say yes to go to confession. Give me the sufficient strength to go in and to admit humbly and sincerely the wrongs I have done, and, and then I pray for your healing. And so that our Lord is very pleased with that when we acknowledge our weakness, and St. Paul had a way of writing on that, that I glory in my weaknesses, and our Lord said that is to him that it is in your weaknesses that my strength is strong. So if we have that understanding that there is, there is weakness that we bring, we bring our, all our poverty uh, and our interior experience of poverty before our Lord and confession, that he is so compassionate and he fills us with himself, with God. What a great dignity we can have in being filled with God through the forgiveness of our sins. So I'd say do not be afraid. Uh, or if you do feel anxiety or some fear, pray to the, the spirit of courage and love, the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, let your will be united with God's will and be freed through that sacrament. Great question. So as you're going to, to Lent, uh, it's a great time for a good confession. Very good confession, and, and our Lord will delight in offering that forgiveness. So we just had another question come in. Um, a good question. Why does the church change so much within the Holy Mass during Lent, such as no alleluias or gloria, uh, possibility of an extra prayer over the people as well? Great question. So there are certain things, and it's a bit like our fasting uh, bodily that we fast and abstain, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Uh, we, we have some sense of liturgical fasting. We do not say Alleluia because we're preparing for the great Alleluia, which is the resurrection uh, uh, proclamation, Alleluia, He is risen. And then also the Gloria, we fast from the Gloria and the great prayer of praise to God uh, for the sake of entering into the, the time of suffering and sacrifice for our Lord, the acknowledgement uh, that we are sinners, the acknowledgement that we need uh, uh, our Lord's grace and blessing and healing uh, because of our sinfulness and our spiritual poverty and turning away from God's will. And so then when we uh, come to Easter, we recognize the victory and the freedom we have in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and that this is ours. Our Lord did this for us. We have victory without even fighting the battle. So we enter into Jesus, and our Lord wants us to rejoice because he did this for us. It's, it's his gift to us, and he wants us to receive it. And one of the ways we express to God that we've received it, we come to Easter, we rejoice, and we, these prayers are back 
into our regular Sunday and liturgical experience. So during Lent, we fast from that, mindful of our spiritual poverty. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we cannot be saved. But with God, all things are possible. And we so celebrate, but also commemorate and enter into that mystery and union with Jesus at the very heart of the church. Uh, the extra prayer of the people, that's another one that is a the church wills to offer an additional blessing to bless our focus because Lent, one, again, one of the graces of Lent is that we, we have the ability to focus in particular ways on self-discipline for the sake of the love of our Lord. And so the church, our Lord and his wisdom, even wants to offer uh, some unique blessings that are, can be done at the end of the, the Holy Mass uh, with particular blessings. So <laughs> another good question here. Uh, what books would be good to read during Lent? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there are a few books out there. One is called The, uh, the Seven Last Words of Christ. Uh, that's a very good one. Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen has some really good books on the passion of our Lord. Um, uh, well, some of you who like cookbooks, I know my mom does. So there's a, I noticed there was a new book out. Uh, it has some commentary by Dr. Scott Hahn. And uh, I hope my mom's not listening. I might get that to her as maybe an Easter present, but um, she can be surprised, I guess, today. I think I'm going to get that. But, the, but it has recipes for Lent, and it goes some ancient recipes and, and other things like that. Uh, it's, it's a, it just came out. Um, I, I don't remember who the publisher was, but I, I think it's Sophia Press, but uh, don't quote me. You can find it, though. It's, it's, it's Recipes for Lent, and it uh, has Dr. Scott Hahn's name on the front. It looks really good, and I thought that would be a, a great thing as far as those who are cookbook readers. Uh, some other things, I would, I would get into uh, uh, reading from sacred scripture, a reading from uh, the Passion Accounts. Uh, that's a great thing to do from each gospel. Each gospel, the, the Passion Account is at least a little bit different in how it's constructed, but the, they're the same in, in the sense of recounting our Lord's uh, a passion and his suffering and death. Uh, each one includes a slightly different details, which is just fine. Those details happened. Uh, but I would read them through prayerfully with meditation. You might do one slowly each week or over a few days. Uh, I'd recommend, I, I like to watch The Passion of the Christ. I think many of our listeners, you probably like to do that. There's multiple things that can stimulate us through media or through reading and and uh, and whatever else may inspire you, uh, including also, I encourage you to pray the rosary. There is a, a custom that you know, even on Sundays then during Lent, instead of the glorious mysteries, we pray the sorrowful mysteries, uh, adding the, the mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries in one additional day during the week. Uh, and uh, I would say, also, um, St. Faustina had the habit, our, our Lord asked of her each day uh, during the three o'clock hour to remember uh, his, um, uh, the, his abandonment that he experienced at the moment of his death, that his, his agony in the moment of abandonment. So as our, we know our Lord will hear this when we get to Passion Week, that our Lord said, uh, uh, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And that was the, our Lord's full share in our suffering after original sin, that it seems like God had abandoned us because our hearts are made for God. And so our Lord uh, wants to have us be immersed in that uh, like St. Faustina did. Great questions, everyone. We're wrapping up now the straight talk. Please stay with us right back. We have a great couple here from St. Michael with us, Santi and Carolyn Okeries. Uh Stay with us after the break. 